0: The following is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic Whittier events and gatherings, please visit mosaicwhittier.org. All right. Good morning so far. So this has been a, this has been a week, hasn't it? I mean, we've had a couple of weddings. How many of you guys went to a wedding this week? Yeah, that's right. Some of our friends got married off. And uh, how many of you went to a graduation this week? All right. So my wife and I just came back from... Um, Oakland, Berkeley, San Francisco. My daughter graduated up there and uh, she's off. And then uh, then baby dedications and so Memorial Day weekend. How many of you are not working tomorrow? Yes. So tonight's going to be great, right? As we continue the series Imagine, we're, we're closing the series out with the talk of Imagine a Church That Was Dedicated to Life Change. And you might recall if you were here the first time we spoke about imagining a church that, was, uh, that raised a generation of revolutionaries. And we, we discussed that, that part of the way that it happened is that we recognized that as followers of Jesus we're not just you know, trying to be nice. We're actually representing Christ. We are ambassadors for Jesus as Paul said we were. And then we also talked about imagine a church that um, not only sacrificed but also led out of passion instead of fear. And we spoke that, that if a person is, is making decisions or living their life based on fear, it will always be based on trying to protect. It will always be a, a, a life that's being minimized and, and has boundaries. But a life that's lived out of passion, whatever that passion might be. Especially if it's a passion that's colored and, and influenced by a, a healthy character, that it will be a thriving, flourishing life last week Corey brought us an amazing talk regarding the church, imagine a church that's sacrificed. And, and, and he, he pointed out to us that for a church that sacrificed, that for the, for the individuals on the outside watching the sacrifices going on, the actions, it looks like a sacrifice in every negative sense of the word. But for people who are inside doing those actions people who are experiencing those actions and doing them for the sake of others they don't feel it as a sacrifice, they feel it as an act of love. It's an expression of their love, not only for Christ, but for others. And this is what colors a life of sacrifice, is that it's in love with Jesus and then in love with others. But this morning we talk about a church dedicated to life change. So join me as we go to the scriptures in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16-18. through 18. It's going to pop up there in a moment. And if you have a Bible, you can open it up, or you can look it up on your electronic device. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ, and he forgave us of all of our sins. 2 Corinthians 2 14. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he's taken it away, nailing it to the cross. All right. The um, part of that. church that has a, a life, believe in a life of transformation, is actually starting at this spot. I need a Savior. Now some of you have a, have a high functioning life, things are going well for you. Awesome, that's, that's terrific. And, and We really mean that. We, if you've learned how to live life well, and you're functioning well, your relationships are healthy, you're doing well with your career, you're doing well in your personal life, your neighbors like you. You know? <laughs> That's fantastic. A part of what happens, though, here is that when people become followers of Jesus, there's a, um, an inauguration. There's something new that happens. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians that when a man or a woman steps into a connection with God through their Savior, Jesus Christ, that all the old things go away and everything's become new. The frustration is, is that for many of us, we think that that new is everything right now. And what often happens is that it begins a process of renewing and changing. That its inauguration is here and yet still going to be started but not yet fulfilled. And the other thing that happens when a man or woman becomes a follower of Jesus is that it it, it doesn't create a finished product at that moment in terms of how they live their lives. But a dependency upon God to continue to live their lives well. How often have sometimes you wondered, why is it that God allows boom to happen, right? Just fill in the blank, something negative, something wrong, something harmful. And it's never occurred to us to think that maybe if God took away the consequences of all our dumb decisions and of all the mess that goes on in the world, that there would be a level of deceit going on because then we would have the impression that we could live successfully apart from God. Why does God not change everything right now in my life? I'm trying to be a good person. I want to be a good person. Why doesn't he make those changes? Because often it's the very reason that he keeps us close to him to be dependent upon him. It's the old cliche. When do you really, really pray? When do you really, really call upon God? When do you really, really want to hear from him? When do you really want to have him involved in your life? When, When things don't go well. I mean, when things are going well, you don't call. You don't, you might say thanks. But there's a there's a level of urgency and dependency that's created when we are living our lives fully with our consequences, good and bad. Jesus says that the new life is in the book of John, that this new life often is like a wind, that you cannot really see it coming. You don't really even see the end of where it's going, you see the effects. And not the wind itself, and often this life, just like these children, is—you know—it's—it's it's unexpected, right? How many of you, when you, all of you who were parents, and those of the parents who are here, you know, when you, sometimes you're really trying to have kids, you know, you really want to have kids, you just didn't seem to work out. but all of a sudden, you're pregnant. Other times, you're—you're you're not thinking about it at all. You're doing everything you can to prevent it. You get pregnant. I remember when my wife told me she was expecting. I thought, wow, you know, it's, it's, it, it, you know it, it took us a while. We were like, man, I I mean, I know everything's working with me. Maybe she ought to get checked out, you know. And the, so it's just something we just couldn't figure out. And then my son was six months old, you know. And she, she looked me in the eye and said, "Babe, what? I'm, I'm expecting again." Awesome, you know. Let's just go through this one more time. We were just getting used to the fact that we were parents, you know. And so. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we have a, a, a verse here I want to share with you. And so speaking of Jesus, Paul says, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for them and was raised again. Therefore, so, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Why? Because if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come Uh, if you have a Bible, if you have a highlight or something, this ought to become a filter for the way you think about yourself and others. If anyone is in Jesus, the new creation has come. It started. The old is gone. Paul says the new is here. And all of this is from God who did what? He reconciled us to himself through Christ and then told us to never do anything else again. Oh, no, wait. He gave us the job, the work, the the, the mission or the ministry of reconciliation. When a man or woman steps into a relationship with Jesus Christ, something has changed forever. And often... I mean, how, how many of you have gone to a, 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 maybe a, a big rally or auditorium events? You know, it almost feels like I, I, I was in sales for 30 years. So you get the sense, you know, I can kind of tell a sales pitch when I hear one. You know, like if you buy this product, you know, your acne will be cleared up. Your hair will come back. You know, the color will return. You'll lose the weight you've always wanted to lose. And sometimes it appears that Jesus is sold like this product that's going to solve all your problems. Now, I believe he does solve all your problems but not into the image of what you want to become, but the image that he's made you to become, in the image of himself to recover your full humanity. And this is where at times we as followers of Jesus, and this is our fault, we've reduced Jesus to a product. Just to get out of jail card. Ticket to heaven card. The sweet by and by. But if Jesus is only that, I mean, I get it to a point it's worth it. But what about right now? Don't you have things that are not working right now? Don't you have some questions you want answers to right now? Isn't there some meaning you'd like to experience right now? Jesus comes to restore us holistically, wholly. And I use the word wholly spelled W-H-O-L-L-Y. Completely. And often, some of you... You, you haven't been to church in a while because all you were told is what you couldn't do. And Jesus comes and tells you what you can become instead. Often we, we become parents in church in a way that we, we, we're, uh, all our language is about, no, don't do this. And no, you can't do that. And no, don't you know, get down, stay down, settle down, be down, quiet down, instead of what we're released to become. Jesus comes to restore your humanity and make you fully human physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, culturally, relationally everything. It's not about being nice Now, my wife and I have had this conversation Let, let, let me, let me, let me ask something to this Nice is such a vague, plain word I'm not even sure what it means because it's more than just being nice, it's actually being fully alive and passionate. Awake. For the first time maybe. The way Jesus is, the Jesus way is holistic, it's, it's peace loving, it's transforming. And it's not just managing darkness and like, oh what I, what I don't get to do. But it's producing good. And, and the most fantastic thing about that production of doing good, the, the life of living, uh, a life lived well, that Paul tells us in Ephesians that God's already prepared those things for you to do in Ephesians 2.10. See, some of us have this impression that perhaps if I become a, if I become a follower of Jesus, man, I, I gotta give up this, I gotta stop doing that, and you know, it's, I know it's better, but I don't really want to. Funny, you know, Paul says in one letter Man, you're free to do whatever. Go nuts. Because it won't change how God loves you. But he also says in that same sentence that while you're free to do anything, not everything is beneficial in experiencing God and the transformative life. If what Paul says is true in 2 Corinthians, and I believe it is, I'm convinced it is, I've seen it happen over and over, that something has shifted completely for you forever that you are not the same person you once were. And the problem is, as Paul tells us in Romans at times, is that we go back to the same kind of thinking patterns and the same kind of patterns with our bodies that gives us the illusion that we're not different anymore. He also goes on to tell us that that part of our old lives is dead. It doesn't even exist. It's, it's, it's almost like we resurrect the zombie part of us and move it around like a puppet, and say, yeah, no, this is really me. And Paul says, No, the old part of you is dead. That old man, that old woman is dead. Why are you picking that up? Live in this life instead. And I can tell you how transformation occurs. It's not complicated, it's not easy, but it's not complicated. Here's the three steps talk to God. Um, many people call that prayer. <laughs> there's three. There's three. There's three types of prayer too. First kind of prayer is wow. Second kind of prayer is help. Another kind of prayer is thank you. Wow, thanks, and help. That's it. That's prayer. Wow. Thank you. Help. Which, by the way, most of your parents are going to f- focus on that third one. Help. And when they sleep through the night, thanks. <laughs> you follow God. Another word for that is called obedience. I, I recognize there's some people who love just knowing every detail about every little thing, and that's fantastic. There's some of us who are built that way. I get that. But here's the simplest way to know if you're a follower of Jesus. Do you do what you know is the right thing to do? You've heard me say this over and over again. How many of you have... Somebody you should be forgiving, but you're thinking, no, negative. Negative, Ghost Rider. We're not doing that. Until they, when they, if they, then I'll forgive. And you know what? In the scriptures, forgiveness is given with no conditions. You want to know why maybe you're stuck somewhere in a level of your progress as a a healthy human being and a spiritual human being? is because you refuse to have a conversation with God that God's trying to have with you. And, you, and you're asking God, please tell me how to live, can you help my life. He says, man, I'm trying to help you. Have you noticed that sometimes you become a follower of Jesus and, and it seems like everywhere you go you get this certain theme. It's on the billboard in a car. It's on the bumper sticker. It's on. A, it's the, the pastor talks about it. It's all he ever talks about. It's the music, the radio, NPR, no matter what you listen to. It seems like the subject keeps coming up over and over again. You know what that might be? It might be God trying to get that conversation with you that you're refusing to have with him. And so maybe the first thing to step into a transforming life is remember to talk to God while thanks help and then just do what you know it' ought to be done, even when it's weird and awkward and hard. How many of us how many of us think living well is easy? Raise your hand. Good. No one did, because it's not. Everything that's done well, everything that matters, takes intentional effort and thought until it becomes you. It's like learning how to drive or play a musical instrument or whatever it might be. You remember the first time you learned how to drive stick shift? Remember how many people's neck were you jerked? And, and you were always afraid that the car, would, you, have to, you would have to start off on a hill. Because, you know, you, then, so you were revving, burning the clutch up. And you slid back and boom, you stalled the car out. That didn't happen to me. I was just watching my kids do it and laughing. <laughs> And it's funny how you drive stick or whatever you might drive, and you don't have... Have you noticed that it? it's like there's no conscious awareness of how you drive? You know why? Because It's become part of you. It's so embedded deep in your head and your brain that you don't even have to intentionally think about it anymore. Anything. Learning to handwrite, learning how to type, uh, um, handwrite, like some of you guys think that's quaint, learning to keyboard, <laughs> handwrite, what is this you speak of? How many, of you guys, how many of you guys know how to tie a tie about looking in the mirror? Awesome. I salute you, sir. You and I. <laughs> but the first few times, you're like... N-n-n-n-n-n. Look, following Jesus is no less... It's not any different. Sometimes there's very intentional things that you have to do. Like, okay, let me do this. And it feels clumsy and awkward. Why? Because you're not used to doing it. <laughs> Until all of a sudden, you wake up one day. It's been, it's been a while. And you realize, oh, my gosh. I didn't flip out when that happened. Or I didn't do this when it happened. And you were a different person. The third way, talk to God, follow God, and then finally, experience God. How do you experience God? What do you do? It's the thing that we we do whenever we're listening and obeying God. You begin to experience Him. And it can be also sometimes the most unique way Sometimes the most powerful ways that are occurred are not just when they're individual acts of obedience, but the corporate act of also singing and worshiping together as a community. And not just a community here on Sunday mornings, but in the communities that you meet in during the week. The small groups, the book clubs, the Bible groups, all those things that happen during the week. It's when you as an employer treat your employee as a human being instead of just an asset. It's when you, as a a parent, recognize that that child bears the image of God and you have no idea where that life could end. And you're responsible for shaping. You experience God when you're aware that he's involved in every part of your life, in your art, in your work, in your parenting, the way you keep your home, the acts of beauty and simplicity that you do throughout the day. And your life is transformed. Having been a follower of Jesus for almost 40 years, I've seen all these different trends, programs, ideas. People want to make it so complicated to sell their programs. You don't need it. You just need to talk to God, you need to follow God, and then experience God, and you will be a different man or woman, period. So let's start right here as we're getting close to closing. Let's go back to Colossians chapter 2 for just a moment. Colossians 2, verses 13 through 14. When. When you were dead. and, and don't, don't read this too fast. Especially most of us who've, who've been in church for a while. We just kind of blow through this. And the reason why I want to stop here for a second is to help you remember what this is like. The problem with being a follower for a long time is that you don't, you, you're no longer amazed by it. Some of you... I don't know, how many of you guys like going outdoors and rock climbing or doing nature stuff, really? I get that. You know, I don't do it, but I get why I see people do. Some of you, you know, some of you, like, you like going to a museum and you see a work of art, and you just, you're almost momentarily moved to tears cuz so there's this moment that you're having. Some of you feel that way when you go into Nordstrom. Um, uh, <laughs> this is cashmere. <laughs> so beautiful. It's kind of like that scene in The Great Gatsby, which was weird with the sweaters and the things flying out the shirts. You don't know what I'm talking about. Read the book. Get a little culture in you. At any rate, um, <laughs> um, the the problem is is that we we take beauty for granted when it's around us all the time. Just like when you you, you know like like L. A. is actually very beautiful after it rains. Like after a good scrubbing, just a rinse. <laughs> oh, hey, L. A. is kind of nice. You see the mountains of San Gabriel for the first time, and they're like, "Wow, you're off the 210, or maybe you're coming up the 605 Northbound." You, man, that's a, I live in a beautiful place. Or it just strikes you how beautiful something might be. Um, the problem is, is that when you know something well enough, it, it's no longer amazing, and you take it, begin to take it for granted. But how many of you remember what it was like? to be dead apart from God. And the fact is, let's be honest, that our transformation is incomplete during our life. But for someone who's never experienced it, it looks so attractive. So Paul says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you Alive with Christ and he forgave us of all of our sins and how did he do that he cancelled the charge of legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us He, he took it away nailed it to a cross and then he disarmed the powers authorities made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them With the cross And um, For people who first read that The first audience in Colossae They they would have known exactly what he was talking about You read that, it seems kind of like poetic language But Paul's using a very powerful metaphor What happens is this When a um, Well how many of you know what, you know you guys have seen images of ticker tape parades Right, maybe you guys went to When the Lakers win, right, after after the smoke And the burning has settled down, we have a parade for them (laughs) Because that's how we celebrate a victory Tear up our town um, there's also another way to celebrate Is that when, at that particular time First century When a country army was defeated This is kind of humiliating You would march the army that you just beat In a parade hey, we, beat, we beat these guys I mean, It's not as if you got beaten And you lost your country Now you've got to walk in front of the people who beat you, you know, and, and the purpose of that Was to show the power of the king The emperor or the, or the general and to show the complete finish and defeat of the enemy. Now let's look at how Paul used that metaphor. Whether you lived your life well. And you might believe that church and religious stuff. You know what? Uh, my uncle needs that. Oh, the kids need that. But I'm functioning well. Sir, I salute you. Madam, good, good for you. But you have no significance or meaning apart from God. Because one thing that is true of you, whether you're high functioning or low functioning, is this we're all going to cease to exist at one time. And then what? Our meaning, our significance, comes from a connection to God. You can't manufacture it. it, there has to be a reference point outside of you to define you, to give you meaning. And so whether you lived your life well, sometimes you can get, here's the curse of having done that well, living your life, is that you think that you can continue to live successfully apart from God. Those of us who sometimes we've made a mess of stuff and things have gone wrong, maybe we just want to know, is there anything out there that's absolutely finally true? Perhaps for some of us, it's just, hey man, does somebody care enough to love me? that even in the most disgusting, embarrassing, stupid things that I've done, someone can still look me in the eye and say, man, I am for you and I love you because I know this is not you. I won't let you be defined by the worst part of you. Some of us, it's just, is there anybody who will not leave me or hurt me? See, the gospel isn't just, you know, you're horrible people, so I have to kill my son to redeem you. God says, I will be what you need me to be for you. See, here's the funny thing is that God will take us on any terms. This is why Jesus would tell his followers that last night, a few hours before he was going to step into this moment of atonement for us. I am what? I'm the way. I'm the truth. And I'm the life. And that echoes through the centuries to us this morning. Let's start here. Recognize that we need a Savior. So, whether you've lived well, whether you've lived poorly, today we start over and we reboot. This is why all of you were given those cards to remind you. We start over today. Christ is the healing of our emotions, Christ is the flourishing of our souls, Christ is the attending of our potential, Christ is the freedom of ourselves, Christ is the awakening of our dreams. Christ is the purifying of our minds. And Christ is the helper, the becomer of who we can become when we step into a connection with God through Jesus Christ. So for those of us who feel they've never had it, and for those of us who feel that they do have it, today we start again and we become a church dedicated to life transformation. This is why we have this luggage up here was a metaphor. See, um, all of us have some sort of stupid baggage, don't we? Who was, it that, who was it that called you stupid that you still think you are? Who was it that called you ugly and never amount to anything that you still think you are? Who told you that you would never find love and so you sabotage every freaking relationship you get into? Before they hurt you, you get out. Who told you, ladies, that the only way someone will love you is if you give your body to them? Who told you that you would not mean anything? Who damned you when you were a child that that just burned so much into your soul? That's all you can think about. A coach? A parent? A friend? And, and you, you've, you, you've convinced yourself that that's because it was in the past, so it doesn't matter. No, apparently it does, because you're still carrying it. All that mess, all that garbage, has been canceled. Why do we listen to voices of people who've burned their life to a crisp, who don't know who you are, who don't have your image, who don't have your best interests, who don't even have the power to help you and change you? Why do we listen to those lies? And somehow, little by little, what happens? The the truth of Jesus helps us get rid of this old, stupid baggage. And scripture says that we put on Christ and begin to live a new life. And if there was ever a death that gave meaning, it was the death of Jesus, because he comes back to say, I've completed everything. It's finished. I've lived a life as a human being. I lived a life of complete obedience. I've beat every power of darkness. I've even beat death itself. And there's nothing that you're going to be able to do that will stop me from loving you and being committed to you. Live in that reality. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do you have the cards as a reminder. But today, if this is what you want to reboot, I'm going to live as a follower of Jesus. I've been a follower. I, I, I've tried to just manage being, not doing bad. Now I want to live a life that produces good. Would you please stand for just a moment? Stand just right where you are. If you're a man or a woman that says, you know what? I just, man, I don't, look, I'm not even sure what this being a Jesus follower is, but I need something And I think this might be the answer. Would you please stand as well? I'm looking to start a connection to Jesus. Now, here comes the awkward part. Step into the aisle, come forward, we're going to pray, and then we'll dismiss after this last song. Come on up. Right here, right in front. There's still time for you to come on up if you'd like begin a new connection to Jesus Christ, your Savior, your Creator, who loves you. But to reboot and say, hey man, you know what? I need to remember who I am. There's room over here still also. You guys want to just step forward a little bit? Will the rest of us please stand as we would join these folks in prayer? Let's go ahead and have a moment of prayer for these folks. Father, thank you so much for being a God who loves us. Thank you for being a God who's for us who cares about us, who has the best intentions for us, a plan for us, a God who will never leave us, a God who will never abandon us, a God who gave his life for us, a God who resurrects for us, lives for us, advocates for us, prays for us. We commit our lives to you, Father, as a church and as a community given to life transformation. And we acknowledge that by our standing this morning in front of you. And so we pray for the souls of these men and women. We pray for ourselves. Father, we pray for the communities of Whittier and then all the cities that surround it. We pray that this church will be dedicated to life transformation. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this production of Mosaic Whittier. For more information on getting connected with the Mosaic Whittier community, please visit mosaicwhittier.org.